And I remember staring at the at the referee and just sort of twisting like, and I just turned the referee into this fucking devil. And I just remember staring at him, and you know, when you're that angry, like there was no human on that planet that could have stopped me from fucking killing that guy if I wanted to that day. I, I would have, I would have plowed through two hundred policemen. Hey guys, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find us on YouTube, all the major auto packagers, and Rumble as well. Today, my guest is Austin Picard. We're going to start a little little Jonestown, probably a series, probably do at least two episodes on this one. I do want to remind you guys how this works. If you guys are my patrons, you guys get early access to this stuff. Typically, uh, for example, next week uh, I will be doing a live stream. This is only for my patrons, so the time there will be a time warp for other people. Uh, the, actually, the live stream might come out before this comes out. Uh, but uh, that one's like a current events thing, so I typically only do live streams with current events stuff. I'll be covering the war with Iran type stuff with uh, Dave DeCamp on that one. Uh, so, like I said, I think this one might already be out by that point for the people watching this publicly. So, if you haven't, go back and check that out, see what's going on in the world, the wide world. But, like I said, you guys get this stuff early. It's also a live stream if you want to pop in on that as a patron. Uh, the lowest level to get to the live stream access in the early episodes is two bucks. Um, I also now at the five dollar level I'm doing uh, you know for I have a new sponsor and I'll do you know an ad read later on and explain more about that it's Fox and Sons Coffee but for the five dollars and up we're doing a uh, doing a giveaway uh, for a bag of coffee and yeah uh, the highest level is my sponsors I have Toad who's a co-host on Tower Gang at Tower Gang Toad then have at Abrogate D's then Kevin B Clark Clark a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area then at Z O V E R A C K then at underscore infinite zeal then Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Anarchy podcast. You can follow him at Biblical Anarchy. Then I have Tim Tuttle at Jolly on Klebold. He's the one who actually made that edit. Uh, and then also I have at Stinky Sock 420, the singer of the band Bender. It's a metalcore band. Dope stuff. Go check that out. Uh, I'm, let's go ahead and get Austin in here and get to it. What's up, my dude? How you doing? What's up, brother? Thanks for having hey. me back on, man. Oh, hell yeah. I'm sure we'll do it many more times. <laughs> you have more than enough content for us to mine and dig <laughs> into. And, and today we're getting into Jonestown, uh, which seems to be... Uh, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye there. Uh, <laughs> um, so what, what, have you, what have you been up to lately? You, any, anything new? I know you have some new content. I think you just did a, uh, 
you said what the false memory syndrome one yeah i, I suggest people go check that out i think i think at some point i'll probably get you or maybe somebody else to cover that because that is like a key component uh to to a lot of stuff uh so oh God, it ties into yeah. so much i mean it, it wasn't only used to like discredit sex you know victims of child sexual abuse or even just sexual abuse i mean it wasn't only used for that i mean the scientific advisory board of the false memory syndrome foundation like dr lewis jollyan west was a member um right dr uh, martin t orn was a member and they're they're both i mean the faces of mk ultra almost right i know dr jolly definitely is but but uh, and and you know Elizabeth Loft is you see that over, I mean hundreds of high-profile criminal cases, right? I mean Harvey Weinstein, Ghislaine Maxwell. I mean it's absurd, honestly. And 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 uh, but it was more than just that. They used that foundation to cover up victims of MK Ultra, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of these events, including some of what happened with Jonestown. And, and so, you know, I went into uh, do a McMartin episode <laughs> and I came out with the false memory syndrome foundation, which I thought I could maybe do like a two in one type of scenario. Yeah. I could, that didn't happen. So I just yeah. realized I kept digging <laughs> and it was going to be, I was just going to have to pass on too many details that I felt were pivotal to make yeah. the overall point there. But mm -hmm. I also thought at a certain point I could use that to then uh, leap leap off from, uh, you know, and, and tie into a McMartin episode, which is definitely what I started researching most recently and then kind of had to get back into Jonestown mode. <laughs> but but I'm luck luckily I did give it a couple of days here to get back into Jonestown mode because there's so much more that that I've continued to find just through, I mean, like I said, I, I put something in my notes just from the false memory syndrome episode that tied into Jonestown, which yeah, just so all, crazy. Like how many ties things together? Right? <laughs> yeah. The more you dig, the more it ties together. Like I was telling you before, I was doing my, my Jew tunnel episode and I'm just like connecting this string to that thing, string and this string, to yeah, that man. string. And you're like, dude, it's all connected. You were blowing like, my mind, man. <laughs> Honestly. yeah it, it just the, the more you dig and it's like even like stuff when i'm like not even thinking that like hey this will connect or even it's just like you know stuff just like serious like say looking into the starts of the zionist movement or whatever and you're like oh what the fuck this connects into this and you're like <laughs> and you're like when you're not even in like this spooky parapolitics world when you're just in more like serious like serious foreign policy or political theory <laughs> territory and you're like this connects to this what the fuck <laughs> yeah like it never it just never stops and the the more it goes the more just more it all connected becomes you know it it, it blows man. my mind the longer i dig into this um i actually we just um in the last episode i recorded earlier this week uh, uh i had someone on who i had dana and then a, a guy named mortis who both were like really into like the spooky stuff like the cults the satanic panic that type of stuff uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, looking at it from more perspective that we kind of do, where it's more of like uh, some sort of op type thing, uh, and right. yeah, they they there was a, we went a little bit, it took a little bit of a good decent dive into the false memory stuff, and oh yeah, I mean, the, and it's become Which episode it's, is this? Uh, it's not out yet. I mean, it, for the oh, people okay. watching this now, okay. it probably will be out, but uh, uh, it it'll yeah, so it'll be out soon. I, I called it uh, "Peeking Behind the Veil" is the name of the title, so you can look oh, for cool. that. 
But yeah, yeah. We, we went to that a little bit. And, and I, I thought it was interesting how it's kind of evolved. I paralleled it between, you know, when you see things, I paralleled what I'm about to say with, uh, like say with Jolly West, when he started doing his research, he wrote a lot of papers on like cults or like a lot of like, you know, obviously the stuff that later became MK Ultra stuff, stuff about DID, you know, psychology, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then yeah. later he gets to be Johnny in the spot when this stuff kicks off and be like, oh, <laughs> well, let me tell you about these cults or whatever. <laughs> right. um, and the same sort of phenomenon, I mean, this is sort of similar, not exactly. But with the false memory syndrome, now we have some people today, uh, more particularly, we talked about this individual named Lucian Greaves, uh, in that that I guess now today, he he's not a member of the false memory, memory syndrome, you know, whatever the hell it was called, uh, group, or I don't know, what the, whatever, but e- either way, but they, like I say, it dissolved recently, but yeah, the what they are now, 2019 or something, yeah, like, that, yeah. something like that, but yeah. now that he's, he gets to mark himself as an expert in that, uh, and course. he is apparently, I, I think, I forget what his specific connections are, but he's kind of connected to some of the, the legitimate, like actual Satanist type stuff, like one of the oh, higher level man. guys. So he is going around and now he gets to market himself as this. Expert. So it's the same idea where now. <laughs> You know, it's kind of the idea where, like, uh, MSN, where say somebody from CNN calls some other place as an anonymous tip, and then you know they write a story on it, and then now this guy gets to write a story. It's the same idea where they just kind of create this yeah. incestuous relationship, where they just kind of right. keep building off of it. And so now you have these people that are like, oh, I forget if he studied it or what in college, but now he gets to go, yes, I'm a, I'm an expert in false memory syndrome, and he's right. like, let me tell you why the say t- why this, these 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 kids in McMartin are just making bullshit up. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Like according to sixty-one anonymous intelligence officials, right? Yeah. It's the age old. I mean, how how many times, man? It yeah. just kills me. But that seems yeah. to be the MO. That's that's uh, kind of a part of the playbook. But yeah, so so I look forward to a McMartin episode coming from you. Uh, although it is man. dark territory. Someone actually asked me uh this. Oh, you week. saved me, brother. <laughs> Honestly, you got you gave me a reason to yeah. just take some time for, away from that because yeah, my god, it gets too dark, you know. Yeah, I mean it is dark. And then someone was actually asking me about this week, especially because they're like uh, I've said on my show multiple times, this is one of my fans who's Christian. And I, I, I've said many times, I don't need problem with that. That's fine, whatever. I'm well past my ready atheist phase. If anything, I've gone the other way now to where I prefer a Christian, uh, you know, community or whatever. Uh, but, uh, he was like, I don't get how you're able to, to go through all this stuff and, you know, not be blackpilled or whatever. It's like, well, at the end of the day, I have a wife, I have a kids, I have a family, I have a job, I have a real life. And like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. This is dark stuff. And this is stuff I'm interested in. This is stuff that's really happened to people and real things going on in the world. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I understand my priorities are what is around me. And that's what matters. And if anything, this dark stuff I'm pointing out, I'm just sharing it with the world. Because for one, it interests me. Primarily, that's the biggest thing. It just interests me. And, and, and then secondarily, I do think stuff like this can kind of inform how we can go about our lives in order to lead a better life and, and you know, to avoid these things. For example, uh, as I, you know, especially whenever I, you know, go on shows talk about like libertarian theory and stuff, it's kind of like, I wish I had known what I know now earlier in life. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, I would have focused more on being more debt free, uh, right. you know, or, you know, definitely wouldn't have, you know, been active duty for 11 years. Like I was <laughs> cause you know, I would have definitely gone about my life a different way. And so right. when you realize it's like, it's, there's a flip to, there's a flip side to every coin, you know, like, yeah, you can be blackpilled or you can look at the other way and go, Oh, well, these are things I need to watch out for, maybe share them with the world if I can. And, you know, and I'm able to kind of 
you know, set myself up in a way that this, these things may, will affect me less. I know what to look right. for. I'm, I'm able to identify these patterns. Uh, I'm the, the monkey in the jungle that can see the Jaguar's face in the darkness and, and, and alert the tribe. You know what I mean? Right. But, Definitely. Like, so, and I say that, I say that you saved me, but at the same time, like I re-listened to the death tape and I'm like, man, the last 16 minutes of that Jonestown death tape uh, is very hard to listen to. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's creepy in general, but but when you start to hear those children die, I mean, wow, man, like that's and, and they have the audacity. I, I even heard the lady. Right. She comes on the mic and she says, don't worry, they're 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 screaming because of the bitter taste, not because of any pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And wow. Right. Like just listening to that. I was trying to embrace at least um, I don't I personally don't believe that everyone committed suicide. But at the same time, I do believe that uh, certain people were more than likely um, at the very least manipulated by Jim enough to have gone through with something like that. I do believe that, especially from hearing the death tape and any of the Jonestown tapes like there were people that were members of the people's temple that honestly believed <laughs> one, they believed in socialism and communism, at least allegedly, according to the tapes. And, and uh, that was another thing I heard Jim say, like uh, die with dignity, a good communist or a good, a socialist, you know, has to die with dignity, right? You can't die like this. And you hear everyone crying and, and then he's, he's, telling the mothers like get get a hold of your children and and he's telling them like mother 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 lay your life down with your child and it's just so intense and then you have this other woman christine miller who's coming up to the mic trying to plead with jim like so clearly not everyone was was on board and and if we're if we're going to consider that there were over a thousand people's temple members at jonestown during this time, which the claim is that the numbers amount to 1,100 members were there whenever this this uh, revolutionary suicide <laughs> allegedly took place. And and if we're going to believe that, well, then clearly they they all weren't in in that pavilion or in that I don't uh, in that room when they uh, when they were actually recording the death tape. And he even had said on the death death tape uh to get in certain members to the East house and all this. So I mean, and then you see the, over, the overhead uh, pictures, the aerial photos, like, I mean, <laughs> they, they obviously weren't all uh, in the same area whenever they, uh, they took the ancient potion like they did in ancient Greece, according to Jim Jones. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll get into that because there's a lot of controversy over exactly how that happened and even green berets who blew the whistle right mm -hmm. which their story <laughs> is much it, it for sure is is far different than the official narrative but um yeah. well, i guess speaking first of yeah. oh, oh sorry go ahead i was gonna i was gonna cav i was gonna segue right into the get me into the, the story okay so i um just to start i think that we should start with the Reverend Jim Jones himself. And and um, I basically take the angle that before he, I wanted to kind of get into the mind of Jim Jones, obviously, and 
And there's a lot more details that I would have uh, liked to include, uh, honestly. But but at the same time, it's it's like, you know, I had to consider what story we were telling as well, which we could spend so much time just talking about the details of Jim Jones. But honestly, prior to the People's Temple, there's not a, a very uh, uh, well orchestrated history of exact you know of exactly uh how things went in jim jones childhood but there are rumors and even people's temple members claim that he was potentially sexually abused by his own parents i heard it could have been and these were like just statements from people's temple members who had said that based on what jim had told them through the years of of being members and and listening to his uh, his sermons was was that basically he had been sexually abused by his father and then had a relationship with his mother, a potentially a sexual relationship, because she was far younger than his father. And his father was a World War Two vet who came home with uh, uh, like some lung issues. And and uh, like I said, was a lot older than his mother. And and so it wasn't really the best relationship from anything that I could tell. And also it seemed like him and his mother had a very interesting, unique relationship that caused a lot of people to ask questions. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he also, I read this crazy aside, this detail about how when he was 15 years old, he had gotten a friend to go to an auditorium where they were discussing communism. And, uh, <laughs> and, his friend tells this story by saying that this official comes into the auditorium, leans down to into Jim's ear, whispers something, and Jim leaves with him. And so does this friend. And so when he goes outside, he says that Jim claims that he was meeting with an FBI operative at 15. And I just thought that that was very interesting because it seemed like around this time he, he began doing um, street sermons, but he was deliberately going to black communities in order to do this. It's like sidewalk sermons. And um, I just thought that uh, there had been, there have been a lot of different connections tying Jim and his, this early time of his life to allegedly being uh, brought into the COINTELPRO operation that was being conducted at this time. So I just thought that we should at the at the very least mention that since especially since when I read the details of his friend and you know how thorough those archives at SDSU are the San Diego State University. I mean, it's pretty incredible, but you definitely should go because not everything is archived. Like there's still like original articles from 1980 or, you know, 1978, and they're not in the SDSU archive. So it is still important to, to find things outside of the archive, but it is one of the deepest archives. And I really do enjoy going through yeah, that. But. I would admit my mind immediately went with all the commie socialist stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where my mind went to, you know, controlled yeah. op of some sort, right. uh, you know, which I mean, I didn't know he, that there was, I mean, obviously that, I mean, I'm sure you would even admit yourself. That's not like a, you know, smoking gun. Someone who no, said yeah. maybe he met with FBI at 15, but it's right. a, it's a common through line. Uh, I, I mean, the only example I can think of off the top of my head right now, I, I know Mc, I think McVeigh when he was younger did some shit, uh, some sort of very sealed thing. too. 
Yeah, Barry yeah. Seal. I know. I, I I don't know if it was the Columbine kids or something, but there was like there's been. I swear, with all the stuff I've covered, there's been at least a good handful of, of oh, you yeah. know just the stuff I've looked into of like stories of you know of supposed you know these people you know being on the radar well before anything happened, like well exactly. before, and it's just weird. I mean, it is right, like it right. does. It's a, it's always a head scratcher because you're like. Even if we do accept that some of this, this spooky uh, Fed stuff is going, you're like, really that far back? Like, <laughs> okay, but I mean, I guess so. Especially like as I said in my last episode, we got into a lot of the weird. Like we got into Aquino and his backstory and Michael Aquino. Oh yeah, my and god! Got, and when the, you get into him and you you see the that, Presidio case, yeah, you, you Dude, look into I... like his his like his family and stuff, and it looks like you know there is almost lineages or created people going on you're like so oh i think God. this this is you know very well i know we're getting a little schizo Stop here it, but man. this is like <laughs> eugenics territory because it's like especially when you get into the cult stuff they're always talking about like a monkey list and stuff and you're like okay but what's the non-woo-woo say way of saying that just eugenics you're exactly. you guys are just you guys are yeah. just fucking and making people <laughs> and exactly. like yes so uh, oh, my buddy Tim Tuttle's just popped, and he said, I, and I swore it was uh, Columbine. He said, uh, Columbine, Eric's dad, Wayne, trained the 9-11 hijackers, the company he worked for, quote-unquote. Uh, Eric grew up at Plattsburgh, at Plattsburgh Air Force Base. So, yeah, it's it's a common uh, – okay. Yeah, no, that one wasn't what I was getting at with, like, them being in touch. And maybe there's something else. But, yeah, that one is interesting as well. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. that weird 9-11 connection. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know what to think of that. Uh, which is weird, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, the the dad of uh, and I, I once again I, I I remember seeing that tweet. I, I didn't vet that for anyone out there, but you know I don't know. Take <laughs> I, I I I trust him fairly well, so I would say there's something there might be something there that the his dad did work. Uh, you know, train the 911 hijackers. Right. If so, that's fucking awesome. crazy. But <laughs> yes, this is, this, this is a common through line. It, I, I don't know what the fuck. I mean, uh-huh. maybe this is just people being schizo out there and making up stuff, but hey, this is information out there in the ether. Right? But it just seems to be there's always stories about this, whether they're true or not. I don't know. <laughs> I know, I sh- certainly know that when I was doing my 9 11 episode and I saw that l- most of the visas acquired by the hijackers all went through this CIA. Uh, the CIA guy basically overruled all these station chiefs and everything else. Or, or some people at the visa, I can't remember the actual uh, official titles of these people, but I just remember that basically the decision to uh, approve these visa applications was entirely overruled by higher ups who were 100% tied to. Right. This CIA allowing. So it was like a directly a direct connection. The CIA were overruling the original decision to not give these uh, right. These uh, suspicious individuals visa approval in their application process. But then CIA officials come in and overrule that decision. And therefore, the hijackers now have an approved visa and come to the U.S. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, that's just crazy man especially when the, some of those visas pop up after the fact which a lot of people <laughs> were uh, you know if you look into that there's a lot more questions to be asked i'll, I'll say that much but yeah. the, it's sorry, funny that you throw say, off your train of thought but go on. no you're good i'm sorry but that it's funny that you say created person though because 
there's definitely and, and there's no official smoking gun for this either but it's uh at the very least it, <laughs> here in a little while when we finally get to it might be next episode when we finally get to dan mitrione and and richard dwyer uh <laughs> people i mean dude I, I i'm not going to spoil it honestly it's too good but so <laughs> We'll start with Jim Jones. The story goes that before he started the People's Temple in 1955, now, of course, widely considered to have been a doomsday cult centering around a version of communism he called apostolic socialism, I think is how you pronounce it. And this blends together Christianity and socialism into a religious political philosophy, right? And Jim grew up in abject poverty in a shack with no plumbing or electricity or electricity. So it does make sense that he would at the very least be potentially seduced into socialism. Just, I mean, that sounds great to any poor kid who doesn't have an education. Right. Um, so, um, but so he definitely grew up in abject poverty and, uh, but what I found interesting that, and it was in Lyndon Lynn, Indiana, by the way, is where he grew up. And he was known as a child to regularly hold mock funeral services for dead animals, attempting to recruit other children to attend. One and one neighbor child remembered a time Jim killed a cat with a knife for one of these funerals. So we got a little sociopath on our hands at a very early age, it seems. And this is kind of like I see so much of Charles Manson and Jim Jones, man. Like it's so nuts because a lot of the same techniques and methods that that Manson would use with with the family, Jim's doing with the People's Temple. It's it's completely crazy. I mean, there would even be uh, at a at a certain point when he was uh, punishing members of the People's Temple. I mean, when they get to Guyana, it. it very much escalates, but he was already committing sexual assault and rapes, and and it, it wasn't just the female members. I mean, he was raping male members, right? And and he would even use that to blackmail them later, and he would rape one of the male members and then say, "You don't want me to tell your your wife and your kids, right? Right?" I mean, it was just so nuts. But he he would force them to like have their own fight club type of scenario, and he would be like. Um, he was doing speed for sure. Like, I don't know in what form, but he was doing a lot of speed. And uh, and so he speed. would. Yeah. <laughs> when they got to Guyana, though, he would wake up the people's temple members all throughout the night, like sleep deprivation style. And he would uh, uh, there would be an air horn sound and he would go white night, white night. And then he would force everyone to come to the pavilion and listen to his psychobabble. <laughs> it was and he would give them loyalty tests all the time. I guess like even members of the planning commission, which I'll get into when he forms that. But he they're like this elite group that are planning, uh, you know, uh, all the different, uh, uh, you know, they're navigating the move for the group and all this other th all these other things. And and uh, uh, allegedly they he called them all in to have a meeting at, at one point and he gave them all wine, right? Like glasses of wine. <clears throat> and they drink the wine and he says the i poisoned the wine you're all going to die right <laughs> and then and then uh, apparently all these these members of the planning commission 
a lot of them like started vomiting and freaking out and screaming and whatever. And then he said that he lied to them and that this was just a loyalty test. And this was not the only time that he did this, right? Like this was, this happened often, which yeah. it, of course this, anyway, he, he was definitely uh, such an insane mind manipulator. Like he was very, he was for sure a con man of some kind that was, uh, had, had a certain set of skills before and i think that's another reason like barry seals the great example of that where he i think that the the chief of police which i'll get into later dan mitrione was basically a talent spotter and was later on well i'll get into the details as to how he's connected to cia but it's crazy because it makes a lot of sense as to how he got out of a lot of trouble in his hometown right and so it just it starts to all fit in. But after this uh, little uh, killing these animals, right, when he was a kid, mm -hmm. right, in these mock ritual funeral services where he's then like being <laughs> the preacher or the priest that's that's standing over there giving a ceremony. Right. But he, he felt the need to actually kill a cat in order to, <laughs> to uh, go through with these ceremonies. I just thought that was so crazy. But others like who knew him as a child claimed that Jim was guided by the angel of death and would even put other children into life threatening situations is what they said. And his neighbors, uh, some of his neighbors claimed to have some sympathy for his poor circumstances, but that he was an unusual child obsessed with religion and death. Allegedly, as, he, as a child, he also became an avid reader of Gandhi, Karl Marx, Joseph Stalin, and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and years later, he even told his wife that Mao Zedong was his hero. It's mm. fitting. <laughs> yeah. I did want to take a second to, to jump off of that because I was thinking earlier, and this is a common mm -hmm. thing that comes up in all these stories, is there'll be these individuals who feel like a controlled op of some sort, like this guy, uh, but yeah. then you wonder, like, but are they a true believer? And I, I don't yeah. think that these are ne necessarily exclusive concepts. I don't either. Because I think there's multiple ways you can understand it. You know, obviously, the, uh, these would be if they are some sort of controlled op of some sort, you would think that somebody got to them, talked to them, and, you know, found a way to get them under their wing in some form. And there's different ways they can frame this. Obviously, they can use trickery. But there's also, and this is a thought I had earlier, uh, or just, you know, I guess actually just now, but it kind of was adding to something. Recently, I put out a tweet about... Uh, Gladio and I kind of played off of, uh, you know, old Uncle Ted's thing. And I said, uh, Operation Gladio has been a disaster for the human race. I forget this specific quote, but I, I just completely just stole uh, uh, old Uncle Ted's uh, quote and just <laughs> threw in a Gladio. And someone uh -huh. said something like, "Oh, well, it would have been better for communism to have won." And I was, mm. and I, and I was like, "Well, communism to fall fell under its own weight." But then, like in my head, I mean, I didn't really go into it in the tweet or anything. But yeah. you know, there, there is kind of for those who understand, like you know, libertarian theory or just communism, socialism, whatever. Like the the poison pill of trying to attack communism, and this is, I believe it was Buchanan or somebody that was a. That, that was like a key point they brought up that like, oh, we need to do a little bit of socialism to fight communism. And it's mm. like this poison pill you do yes. when you go do these things. So if, you know, you if we could give Jim Jones a lot of credit here and say, let's say he was quote unquote controlled op, but mm -hmm. 
in his head, he may be big braining it and realizing like, Oh, okay, fine. You can, I'll, I'll work with you and let you guys take the poison pill. That will right. be your downfall. Cause anyone who, you know, can properly game theory this out would mm-hmm. realize that like, Oh, Oh yeah. You just want to, you want to do some covert, essentially uh, socialism or, you know, which is basically just communism light and <laughs> essentially, you know, poison your entity over here uh, because uh-huh. we're doing this thing. Fine. Whatever. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my thing and spread my message while poisoning yours, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, generally speaking, people tend to look at America or, you know, I, I don't believe this is necessarily the case, but people have this ideal of it being like capitalistic liberty, whatever. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, fine. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll work with you to undermine socialism, communism, <laughs> right. but they really realize the long game. I was like, oh, fine, whatever. You, you fucking uh-huh. idiot. Like, I know how this ends. Yeah, sure. I'll work with you because in, in a certain sense, you guys are not much different than me. So, right. you know, if, if that's, if this is the way to go about it, sure, whatever. Right. Uh, but uh, also I did want to, did want to go into this real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. for those, uh, for those out there, I know you, we always see in these parapolitics type stuff, meth is always a common through line, but we, <laughs> we don't do meth cause we're not fucking deviants like that. And we're not trying to get MK ultra. So <laughs> we can do coffee. Uh, so, um, I got Fox and sons coffee is my new, uh, <laughs> my new sponsor. Uh, you guys can use Jose uh, to receive 15% off your order for 30 or more. Uh, orders of $37.99 and, uh, and more are always free. This is foxandsons.com. Only U.S. continental shipping. Uh, now, Fox and Sons, let me tell you about them, guys. Uh, they're, uh, they're more than just an advertiser. You guys have probably seen on many other shows. They're common. They're commonly support shows like mine, lines of Liberty, you know, lots of other stuff like that. So they support us. You know, you guys should go support them. You're going to drink coffee anyways. You know this, you know, who doesn't like coffee? So why keep throwing it away to some fucking commie gobbledygook? Give it to these guys. Uh, they, he started it out of his love for coffee as a way to honor special times he had with his dad. It was a way to teach his kids about entrepreneurship and a business he could pass on to them, which I, I value that a lot. I think it's a good thing to pass on. It's high quality beans sourced from small family farms, organic, fair trade, small batch roasted. They ship fast. And now through the end of February, you get free shippings over $37.99. Use that code Jose. With that, let's get back into it. What's up, bud? <laughs> <laughs> back great. to jim jones <laughs> so he started originally as a methodist student pastor in 1952 and then ended up leaving the denomination and falling into pentecostalism and the latter rain movement by 1954 <clears throat> this is when he began hosting healing revivals with prophecies of possessing supernatural gifts and personal claims of divinity <laughs> And by the way, he even did this as while he had the People's Temple, right? He he would uh, have these these fake healing revivals, and he would. There's even this video of him like he had talked. You see him talking to, and I don't know why they were filming, but there's video of him right before he goes on stage to do one of his uh, his revivals, and he talks to this lady. And there's just a People's Temple m- member. And he like talks to her uh, in, on the side, like right before he goes on stage. And then when he goes on stage, he throughout the, the sermon, he, he basically calls her out. And by saying, like, there's a member of of uh, our temple that that has issues with 
like the feeling in her hands right now. And then he basically claims that he like heals her and she acts like blown away. And then there's this other woman who he claims that he healed from like this cancer in her throat. And uh, what they ended up actually doing is have like a chicken bone lodged into her throat, which she then gagged out on stage in front of everyone. And he acted like that was the the cancer that he had healed her from. And it turned up, it turned out like really affecting her health because it like scarred up and like she was bleeding and everything. It was pretty nuts, man. That but, sounds uh, awful. I choked on a right. chip once that went down the wrong way and that Dude, still, still scares me thinking about it. <laughs> right? But <laughs> That's just a potato chip. <laughs> right. I just thought that was so hilarious. Uh, well, not hilarious, but clearly. It's, pre it's pretty funny. It le yeah, it, it leans into the the con man aspect of mm -hmm. right smoking mirrors and playing this game, uh, but but it was definitely, and it it's really sad because I saw like letters from defecting temple members and I saw I heard like a lot of different tapes and and most of them don't sound very educated even though some of the more elite members were were definitely educated but a lot of these people were i mean they they were either street people they were homeless they had all these drug problems i mean he he would basically just go down to the homeless sections in san francisco and just try and like you know just get people who had no home and end up getting them to sign over their power of attorney to to him personally and yeah. by the end of it he was getting like $65,000 a month in welfare checks that he was just seizing himself personally when they came uh, when they came to the temple and put him in the general fund. And so he basically was running roughshod over these people's lives. Right. Yeah, which and is a common uh, the common uh, victims of MKUltra. If anyone studied right? MKUltra, the people they always tend to to work on were prostitutes, homeless people, exactly. minorities, uh, you nope. know, which I know we say that in a modern context and people might roll their eyes, but decades ago that had a little bit more meaning to it when we we're talking Especially about minorities. Yeah. Temple, man. I mean, yes. it was such a large portion of the, the temple members were black people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that like, it's so unusual that Jim himself was a white man that, and I even heard on the death tape, he, he goes, uh, he says, like, aren't we all proud black socialists? It's like, no, Jim, you're not. <laughs> like, what, what, are, what are you talking about, man? What's up, my nigga? <laughs> it's so crazy to me, man. Like, it really was. But, yeah, so this is still before he, he formed the People's Temple. He's already doing these, these healing revivals, right, and claiming divinity. And so he finally leaves Pentecostalism and the latter rain movement and people's temple joined the disciples of Christ denomination where they remained until the Jonestown massacre. So by the late 1960s, Jones would make claims of being a return of Elijah, the prophet, the voice of God, a manifestation of Christ, along with the promotion of doomsday scenarios saying the end of the world was imminent. Right. And uh, the official narrative by 1961, Jones warned his congregation that he had received visions of a nuclear attack that would devastate Indianapolis. And we'll find out here in a little while. That's perfect timing for when he returns from his trip to 
One, he goes to Guyana for like six six months. And then he goes to Belo Horizonte, Brazil for, um, I believe, eight months before then going to Rio de Janeiro. And it was at this time, he, he comes right when he gets back home to Indianapolis. He's like trying to get his congregation back in order. And this is when he comes home with this this message, this apocalyptic message, right? And and uh, he even gives it a date, right? He like he claims that this nuclear fallout is going to take place and it's going to affect Chicago and Indianapolis. And in less than a year, this is when he decided to to travel to South America to scout for a site to relocate people's temple. Okay, <laughs> and uh, so we find out later. He was doing something much different while he was in Brazil. But <laughs> so Jones was supposed to have made a stop in the British colony of Guyana in order to hold revival meetings before continuing on to Belo Horizonte, Brazil, where he rented a three bedroom home for himself and his family until they moved to Rio de Janeiro in mid 1963. So Jim Jones returned to Indianapolis by December of 63 and told his congregation that the world would be engulfed by nuclear war on July 15th, 1967, leading to a new socialist Eden on earth and the temple must move to California for safety. <laughs> and I, I was thinking like, how much cocaine did you do while you were in Brazil, Jim? <laughs> by, by, so by 1965, Jones and his followers moved near the city of Ukiah in Redwood Valley, California. So after moving to California, Jones increased his political activism. So I also found this interesting, especially when we fill in the holes later on, because this is also when he's forming all his his political connections. Right. And we're talking high profile political connections. Right. Like it's 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 actually extraordinary. <laughs> and um, so in San Francisco, he started to make powerful contacts with local and state politicians, reportedly even being an integral part of George Moscone's 1975 successful run for mayor due to the rising number and membership of People's Temple. And <clears throat> he was then rewarded by the newly appointed mayor with the position of chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission and became known for hosting high profile meetings that even included First Lady Rosalind Carter, Vice President Walter Mondale, Governor Jerry Brown, Harvey Milk, and Jane Fonda. Yeah, Milk was probably the one that like raised my eyebrows the most. Especially, Dude. I know there's a lot of conspiracies today. I've never really dug into it to what extent the you know the the Rainbow Movement is was infiltrated or whatever you want to call Dude. it. But I know that was a big thing Milk was about. So I'm like, I don't I don't know, but I did find that interesting. I mean, obviously, just being associated with these people doesn't necessarily right. mean anything. Uh, well, you know, but it, it, it implies something, you know, or at least we can like we can Harvey. Yeah. Huh? What he what Harvey Milk has to say about Jim, man. I mean, What's it's that? like what what dirt did he have on you, Harvey Milk? You know, yeah. I, I'm concerned because right after Jonestown, it's like there's a cleanup crew on the case. All right. And they're going around committing assassinations. I think they're tying off loose ends. And I think George Moscones and I think Harvey Milk were two assassinations that happened the same time, right? And they both were directly connected to Jim Jones and everything that happened there. And they were publicly defending him when he was being investigated and all of this was before the suicides happened. So the timing was too perfect 
for me. And, and by the way, there's even more that kind of makes that feel like it holds more credibility. Right. So we will we will cover that as well. But I do <laughs> think it's so ridiculous. It's just what Harvey says alone about Jim Jones is damning. Like, yeah. there's no way that you believe that, man. <laughs> but anyway, so. <laughs> when you say defending, and this is after the fact, like after all the shit went down. Dude, yeah. yeah. And it's so just. He, was he just saying there's no way he would do that? This is this is made yes. up, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Legitimately yeah. defending Jim Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and while he was being investigated before it happened, too, they he was saying that they were trying to. Uh, uh, demonize his reputation, ruin his reputation, and and all of these other claims he was making. So it was almost as if he's trying to, I don't know, he really seemed like he was trying to defend Jim's reputation in general. I don't know what his overall goal was other than yeah. public opinion influencing it. But, but anyway, but Jane Fonda, by the way, that it's i mean like no come on man like yeah. dave mcgowan it, that that laurel canyon connection with with uh jane fonda and and uh the the dern family and all of that like it it's not surprising really mm -hmm. but so future mayor of san francisco willie brown although at this time in 76 mr brown was only a member of the california state assembly wait, wait, that's he, the one that uh kamala domed up right <laughs> he hosted a testimonial dinner for Jim Jones, where he was quoted saying Jones was a combination of Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Mao. Jesus <laughs> I mean, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and he says this, he, he says this as well, and that he's what you should see every day when you look in the mirror. All right. <laughs> the governor, Jerry Brown, was also in attendance at the dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jones made connections with important journalists at prominent news organizations. Right. And um, it, that included the San Francisco Chronicle. And by the way, that has ties to William Randolph Hearst, which has ties to Patricia Patty Hearst, mm -hmm. which has ties to the neuropsychiatric facility that Jim Jones was taking people's tipple members to for rehabilitation, which Congressman Leo Ryan just so happened to be looking into probing this facility a month before his death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he asked the question, is it, is, was this an MK ultra facility, which is now on record as right? Wow, as a for DARPA and the CIA used this neuro, neuropsychiatric facility, which I have the name of down at the bottom of my notes, but uh, as a programming facility, mm -hmm. man, that that alone, I just like, holy shit, man. <laughs> but so, yeah, after these raving claims of uh, the governor and 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 Willie Brown. Uh, he had made all these different prominent connections to these media organizations. And, and by the way, those Hearst uh, media organizations were the first to report on Jonestown mm -hmm. in the deaths there. Mm -hmm. And they seemed to only facilitate the mass suicide narrative. <laughs> right? It, mm -hmm. It's just like 
so nuts, man. And uh, and and that was the same facility that um, uh, that Congressman Leo Ryan had specifically asked if Donald DeFreeze, right, was was uh, being uh, uh, basically being seen at this facility, which he was. There was record of that, and so he just wanted to get it on public record. But I just, man, and that whole uh, Patty Hearst story. It's going to have to make an appearance one day. Yeah, well, I'll have to cover that sometime because I admittedly don't know enough about that. I know she's a prominent MK Ultra, uh, looks like victim of some sort. I remember reading about an aberration, but that's about the extent of my digging. Uh, I, I know that was a very prominent one, but you know, that might be one we'll have to mine later for sure. For uh, sure, but, man. Yeah, there's, I know there's definitely a lot. The people, people bring that one up frequently. Uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I just can't believe that it it was that connected to Jonestown, that it was like at the same time. And 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 he's he's investigating the Patty Hearst kidnapping and, and alleged brainwashing where she's then all of a sudden robbing a bank with Donald DeFreeze for the uh, Symbionese National Army or whatever the hell it was called. I can't remember now. But uh, but yeah, and it all it all goes back to MKUltra and it's proven at this point, which I just. Man, of course. Right. But who knows if they were just blackmailing Hearst or if, you know, I'm not sure. But he definitely yeah. was he was fully controlled after that. If not, I mean, seemingly he was always kind of in in league with those with those uh, elites <laughs> as far yeah. as Hearst is concerned. Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so he had uh, he had become known. Jim for uh, having political rallies at the temple for prominent politicians. Oh man, you know, like it seems like man. how how strategic that would be, right? Mm -hmm. To get a brainwashed congregation of thousands of people to mm -hmm. who, who will vote for whoever the hell Jim Jones tells you to vote for. I mean, that's that's how it it would have happened. So to me, yeah. that's pretty strategic, and and that's basically why Muscones won his election that year which it was because of the people's temple like really helping turn out the vote yeah, but the, the parallels between, like you brought up earlier the parallels with manson are are hard to miss i mean manson was in a different i feel like infiltrating a different sphere uh, no. I, mean, I guess infiltrating gives a certain it gives intention. I don't know. I mean, he may he probably may may have been controlled. I don't know the specifics, but he either way was, uh, you know, movie. What was it? The Beach Boys. He he was oh, you know, working with. He was Dennis Wilson. Yeah, yeah. He was he he was more in, uh, in they the called them the Golden Penetrators or something. Yeah. That was their <laughs> their self given name. That was yeah. what they called themselves. Yeah, right? he was he was hanging out with a lot of the. Uh, the you know, up and coming hippie musicians or, or the prominent ones at the time. <laughs> that was that was the the realm he was hanging out with. Whereas this guy seems to be more the the elites is what he yeah. the the world the play the the pools he was swimming in. Uh, exactly. But e either way, it's it, the parallels are hard to miss. Yeah, for sure. And I think there was even one temple member who was like, uh, he tried to come out as gay, mm. and Jim said no you can't you can't come out publicly as gay you like he's like uh you can you can go and and you know like have sex with a male prostitute or whatever but you can't come out as gay publicly because it'll tarnish the reputation of the people's temple and the image but he's like i'll fuck you if you want 
<laughs> I swear. I don't know why it reminds me of that scene from Boondock Saints with Willem Dafoe. Where he's, right. He's like, you want to cuddle? He's like, oh, faggot. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. For sure, man. For sure. That's just uh, so For crazy. those who haven't seen that movie, he literally had just got done banging the dudes. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, this is when Harvey Milk, by the way, after one of these major political rallies held by Jones at the People's Temple, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Harvey Milk wrote to Jim after giving a speech at one of these events. Reverend Jim, it may take me many a day to come back down from the high that I reached today. I found something dear today. I found a sense of being that makes up for all the hours and energy placed in a fight. I found what you wanted me to find. I shall be back, for I can never leave. <laughs> and Harvey Milk and George Moscones would later be assassinated by the, the, an alleged lone gunman only nine days after the Jonestown massacre. And that guy, by the way, under interrogation, claimed he had a list of four people he was meant to assassinate. And they all had connections to Jim Jones. <laughs> it's just like, my God, bro. Like, it, To me, no yeah. way. Nine days after, those two are assassinated. And then they say it was all because this guy is a homophobe or something and hates gay people. But I don't believe that's the case at all. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Sounds like domestic gladio. <laughs> a little... A little... We'll send out your black your black teams and uh, take them take out these uh, loose ends. Yeah, <laughs> so. and when uh, Congressman Leo Ryan had five children, by the way, and they all inevitably launched lawsuits, claiming that it was exactly that that Je that Jonestown was an MK Ultra facility, and that it was tied to domestic operations as well. And so the fact that they put that in their lawsuit as the allegations and accusations. Um, and that was after they personally had been investigating, I guess, and hiring investigators and all of this. But either way, the domestic factor, you know, I found uh, worth mentioning. But mm -hmm. so not long after the relocation to California, the first reports of abuse began to surface. And Jones had been gradually exercising more and more control over the lives of the members, establishing something he called the Planning Commission. And this was in order to direct the communal lifestyle of People's Temple. Uh, members who joined but worked on the outside were directed to turn over their income to the church in order to benefit the community. The members who required free room and board turned over all of their assets. And <clears throat> it's it. there were so many, like the, I forget what they called them, the, um, there were eight defectors and they, they gave them a name like... Um, I can't remember now. But anyway, uh, they, they were like kind of college aged and they wrote this n letter to Jim and it was nothing but complaints about the staff and basically that all the staff were majority white people. Right. And that they saw how these staff members were getting, you know, selective treatment and and basically because they had more money and and they were white. And so the and this letter was crazy because they were so specifically focused on socialism was their ultimate concern. Right. That was basically their ideology was mainly rooted in socialism. 
right? And that was what it seemed like Jim had sold all these people on was this, this religious version, this political religious version of socialism, right? Apostolic socialism or whatever he called it. But um, so members of the planning commission were tasked with disciplining anyone who is not following the rules or fulfilling Jim's vision. And Jones, and by the way, in that letter that all those eight, and it seemed like they weren't, their grammar was awful. Like, right. They, they meant well, but they were clearly uneducated. And, um, but their main problem was that all these staff members of people's temple were engaging in, in basically hedonistic lifestyle like they were all fucking every like and and uh <laughs> it was like basically they were saying that that was some of the elite m female members like deborah layton and some of those different uh white female members they were saying that they would come to the sermons and they wouldn't even participate like they wouldn't even be involved with the people's temple it was almost like they were on the outside just walking around uh so, like observing Right. Mm -hmm. And and that she wouldn't even uh, recognize them or acknowledge them in public ever like any of the black members. And and this was like a huge issue for some of them. But none of them felt this way about Jim. And they made it so specific that it was only the staff that were the problem. And they, they still loved him and and believed in everything that he had, had taught them and that he was the best socialist on Earth. Right. But I did think that was interesting because it was clear that that some of the People's Temple members were getting upset with the way that the leadership was behaving, especially around this time. And that's when a lot of people started to defect. And before they went to Guyana, a lot of defections were happening as well. And uh, uh, I guess that they basically left overnight one time and, and took some children with them mm -hmm. without their parents. And some of these parents later on tried to go to Guyana. And when they went to Guyana to, to try and find and see their children, all the people's temple members and leadership. And he had armed guards that were he, uh, members of the Red Brigade, by the way. And uh, even uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, uh, Ujara is what Jim Jones called him. But his actual but they called him Don Sly as well. That was his his real name, I guess. And he was a member of the Red Brigade, like originally as a CIA informant, allegedly. And then he he joined the People's Temple and brought members of the Red Brigade with him. And they became the armed guards for Jonestown, right? But that's just crazy to me. But Ujara is the one who initially had tried to stab Congressman Leo Ryan when uh after he was passed the note and realized that people wanted to leave jonestown but that's a pretty crazy story so i just thought we we should at least mention that don sly was an actual cia informant within the the red brigade so <laughs> prior to joining the people's temple which is pretty nuts but anyway so you give a quick uh, rundown for what the Red Brigade are for the audience, because uh, I had to look it up myself, to be honest. It sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing it was a Marxist-Leninist armed organization was operating as a far-left guerrilla and terrorist group based in Italy. So that's, that's literally what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And he had allegedly he had infiltrated that group 
and he at least had been a part of the Red Brigade and then was he, he took members of the Red Brigade and then joined People's Temple. Now, was and the, so, were they, were they uh, Gladio affiliated? Because it sounds familiar. I mean, Italy, I'm not entirely certain, and, to be honest. I mean, that huh? would fit the MO. I mean, I just finished the Gladio book, but I forget there's so many different entities and groups, and that maybe that's why it sounded familiar. But that sounds completely too conform to what would be a, right. a you know, oh, you know, especially if the idea is that they're not really that. Uh, they're proposing themselves as commies and, you know, causing issues. And then it's like, mm -hmm. oh, now we push the push the public uh, sentiment against the commies. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. And this was in Italy, which was the primary place that shit was going down. Exactly. Uh, or at least man. the most notable. I mean, it happened in a lot of other places. And Gladio became more far outreaching. And its tendrils kept expanding as it went on. And it's probably still going today, although they tell us it doesn't. But, uh -huh. yeah. Yep, but definitely, sorry. man. No, I'm gonna have to do a Gladio episode. I bet mm. I guarantee you the Red Brigade is tied in, dude. Yeah. But so it fits too well not to bait. You're like, hey, really? Well, okay, all right. Well, maybe not, maybe, but <laughs> right. Yeah, so Jones' control over the members of the People's Temple even extended to their sex lives and who could be married, right? And some members were coerced to get abortions. And that was another um, complaint in that letter by those eight defectors that basically Tim Stone, I forget the name of his wife, but Tim Stone was a member, and I think he was even a member of the Planning Commission, but I'm not entirely certain. But I know he was a People's Temple member, and basically he couldn't get his wife pregnant. And he ended up letting Jim have sex with his wife, she becomes pregnant. They have the baby. But many of these other People's Temple members who were getting pregnant, having sex with Jim or other members of People's Temple, they were forced to have abortions. And so these eight defectors um, were, were complaining that, you know, why, why is Tim Stone's wife which I can't remember her first name, but why is she not forced to go through with the abortion like, you know, some of the other members, some of the other black members specifically had to? So I did think that, man, what the hell, right? Like you're coercing your members to have abortions after you're having sex with them, right? But Jones began to require sexual favors from the wives of some members of the church and raped several male members of his congregation. Members who rebelled against Jones' control were punished with reduced food rations, harsher work schedules, public ridicule, ridicule and humiliations. And uh, I guess he would even, like, if members of People's Temple were fighting or they were had an argument or a dispute of some kind, he, especially in Guyana, he would set up a stage and he would make them have sex with each other in front of the People's Temple members. Swear, That's man. one way to settle disputes. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, dude? I, that's so nuts, man. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's. Yeah, I guess that would be one form of conflict resolution. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh huh. For real. <laughs> Pretty fucked so, up, but <laughs> honestly, man. Yeah. But members who rebelled against Jones' control were punished, like I said, and then uh, oftentimes leading to physical violence, right? And there was one one time in, when they were still in California, I believe, that there was a member of the planning commission that just didn't agree with Jim. And 
Jim and other members of the planning commission beat him to the brink of his life and had to like, he was like hospitalized. So it went public that he had been severely beaten, but clearly you weren't supposed to disagree <laughs> with what Jim was saying. But anyway, so after, as the temple's membership grew, this is when Jones created an armed security group to ensure order among his followers and to guarantee his own personal safety. Because that was another thing that even some staff members were like having other conversations, allegedly, where they were saying if something happens to Jim, if Jim dies or he goes to prison, you know, like they were trying to come up with alternative plans. But so I imagine the paranoia within Jim was at least somewhat high. Right. Like oh, I would yeah. think, especially when he was started to ramp up his drug use personally. Mm -hmm. And so allegations of abuse started to go public by October 1971. And by 73, eight members of People's Temple made accusations of abuse against the Planning Commission and People's Temple staff members. They accused members of Planning Commission of being homosexual and questioned their true commitment to socialism before leaving the People's Temple, right? And Jones became convinced he was losing control and needed to relocate to uh, apparently escape these mounting threats and allegations because they had, uh, I guess, uh, I forget which, um, I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle had been given, they had been sold a story about Jim that basically was a tell-all. It was exposing, based on these defecting temple members, exposing his sexual abuse. And, um, and, but the San Francisco Chronicle said they, they refused to, to publish because they knew Jim personally and had direct connections to him. And so the story was, was, uh, this, sorry, <laughs> the story was, um, um, what was that? What the hell was I saying? Sorry. I know your dog threw me off too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> your dog playing with a chew toy. <laughs> so anyway, I'll get back to the story. So eight members of people's people's temple, made accusations of abuse against the planning commission and people's temple staff members. They accused members of planning commission of being homosexual, like I said, and questioned their true commitment to socialism before leaving the group. And Jones became convinced he was losing control. So on December 13th, 73, Jones was arrested and charged with lewd conduct for allegedly masturbating in the presence of a male undercover LAPD vice officer in a movie theater restroom near LA's MacArthur Park. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like, I, how do you, I mean, come on, right? Like, yeah. how, clearly, I don't know if he was gay, but honestly, it seems like he was just, It's a, it was about the power aspect of it, right? Yeah, like, I mean, but he could have been, yeah. it's possible. Yeah. I mean, or just liked fucking, I, I guess, I don't know, or the power or clearly. something. I mean, it's also just bizarre. The... Yeah, I mean, I would assume the that thing does indicate that he was like losing his grip on like, cause you would think, you know, he has this group of individuals. He has a, some sort of sway over that and he's right. bucking them like crazy and doing all sorts of stuff. So mm -hmm. it's like, why are you, why are you messing around with some other person who's clearly not associated with your group when you have this whole harem of holes you can play with? So mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know he was know. like, he was going for every hole in the congregation. It looks yeah. like, I mean, what yeah. the hell? Oh, and by the way, even worse than that, there's there's rumors and allegations that he was he was having sex with the children, you know, and so 
who knows at this point and i would not be surprised but so anyway on december 20th 1973 the charge against jones was dismissed and though the details of the dismissal are not clear the court file was sealed and the judge ordered that records of the arrest be destroyed right so immediately it's it's completely covered up right so by this time Jones started suggesting a long-term relocation outside of the country in order to settle his socialist paradise and perhaps avoid any future hindrance due to legal allegations and media scrutiny, right? Mm -hmm. And by this point, his once favorable press coverage began to morph into much more negative stories that consisted of ex-members of People's Temple accusing him of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. So the first group of People's Temple members at this time arrived in a remote location in Guyana by December of 74 and started operating the People's Temple Agricultural Project that would soon become known as Jonestown. The, this is interesting because the temple established offices in Georgetown, the capital of Guyana. Now we're supposed to, the official narrative is that, right, like they... They just ran away from the U.S. and now all renounced their citizenship and 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 basically wanted to create a socialist utopia. Right. Mm -hmm. And that they were cult followers of, of Jim Jones. That's the official narrative. But this narrative seems to implicate officials at the highest level of the United States government, not only being aware of this, but helping facilitate the leasing of the land and the Bar the Barnum government in Guyana, which was also pretty much um, a CIA uh, <laughs> controlled government, basically the, at this U.S. Point. satellite state, you know, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a British colony to begin mm -hmm. with, and so there were already British black sites in Guyana, which is another reason that a lot of people believe that this site was already up and running and and functioning. Um, at, at, as a, even having that potentially having that uh, state of the art medical facility, which was the nicest thing in that entire encampment um, mm -hmm. uh, there prior to this, because every single member of the People's Temple when they were in Guyana were having daily visits to this medical yep. facility. <laughs> which and they had every I mean, diazepam, sodium pentothal it. I mean, Everything you can imagine that it's the list of MK Ultra drugs is what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And they said they had so many of those on hand, like so many drugs on hand at this medical facility that was staffed that they could have dosed the entire capital of Georgetown. Mm -hmm. That's what they said when they went through that medical facility. So yeah, you, you think uh, M. McVeigh going to the dentist like some 30 odd <laughs> times or some shit's bizarre. Uh, right. Going to the doctor every fucking day for a group of over a thousand people. Uh, mm -hmm. That's even more insane. I think we're, we're, mm -hmm. well, we're at the, we're at Guyana now. I think this would be a good spot to pause it and we'll, we'll get back in this next week when we do part two. Cool. Uh, it, I, you want to let people know where they can find you at and, and, and <laughs> uh, cause, and once again, I always say people definitely go check out your stuff. You have so many rabbit holes to go down. I haven't even gone down all the rabbit holes on you. And I've probably listened to at least 50% of your, uh, your, your catalog. Uh, and I'll probably at some point get through all, all of it. And it's everything I've gone through so far has been 
I've dug it. So I, I highly suggest people do the same, but let them know where they can find you at. And I highly recommend they do so. Thank you, Jose. As always, man, I really appreciate you. But um, yeah, uh, so the podcast is the Underclass Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Underclass Pod and um, on Instagram at the Underclass Podcast. Yeah, and if you guys want to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tower Gang Jose. Uh, you can follow this show on YouTube, all the major all packages, Rumble as well. Rumble, 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 Rumble. Uh, I've been, you guys, like I just mentioned earlier in this episode, of the, the J Tunnels episode. That's not on YouTube for obvious reasons. And uh, the episode I just did, uh, the last episode I did before this, where we went to really spooky stuff, that one probably won't go on YouTube either. And that's going to be a common <laughs> through line because we're covering lots of dark stuff. Uh, and, you know, YouTube's not a safe space for that. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep, I'll, I'm going to keep, I'll put out little notifications on YouTube, let you know, but that's, that's about as far as that'll go. Uh, I mean, it'll still be YouTube stuff here and there, but you guys need to get off of main street and come on to the other ones or do what's easy. Do the, uh, do the audio. I mean, I prefer doing audio anyways. Uh, but yeah, if you want to support me, patreon.com to no way Jose 2020, get this stuff early. If you want to support who supports me, foxandsons.com, uh, go get you some coffee, uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Boost me up in the algos. Appreciate you coming, bud. I'm looking forward to the next part. And with that, we are out.